Refuge Church, it is my profound joy to tell you, to remind you that God rejoices over your confession this morning. We're told in the scripture that that when we come and we confess to him, when a sinner comes and confesses, all of heaven rejoices. And so God receives your confession this morning, and in him, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection, you are forgiven and you are free. So, if you have any question in your heart whether or not God is excited to receive you, cast that aside. God is so thrilled that you've come to confess. That is the whole reason why he sent Jesus is because he loves you so much and he is inviting you into that love. So, he receives your confession and you are forgiven. Amen. This morning we are starting a new series called This We Believe, and it is to unpack the Apostles' Creed that we've been uh, reciting together every single week for the last uh, couple months. And the reason for this is, the reason for our, our different pattern of Sunday mornings is because this is kind of exclusively the time that we get to experience corporate discipleship. Day in and day out, you get to experience something by yourself. Uh, You're experiencing something that uh, requires your own perseverance. Uh, But this time together, you're gathering with 10, maybe hundreds of other people. And together we are hearing the same thing and responding with united heart and mind to who God is. And so uh, two things that we are reciting together consistently every week are the Lord's Prayer. It came out of Jesus' mouth himself that Jesus reminded us how to pray and to form a habit of that kind of prayer. We also, at the end of our times, are reciting together the Apostles' Creed, which is to remind uh, us of what we believe, not just every single week, but every single day, hopefully every single minute, we can anchor ourselves, we can find hope again in what is true. We can speak the words of Jesus. We can speak the words of the apostles inspired by God. So um, I'm going to read the Apostles' Creed for us to start this sermon, and then we'll do our intro and we'll dive into the scripture to see what it means. This is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the everlasting life. Amen. In this world, everything seems to be shifting, and yet here we find a foundation for our faith. The Refuge Church believes the teachings of Jesus that he shared with his disciples, who wrote them down in the scripture. There are a lot of messages we are receiving today, but only this one will actually save 
Only this one will actually save, and this is what we believe. Refuge Church, this is what we believe. And that's why we want to say it every single week. I, I realize that, man, sermons can, be, can, can touch on parts of it. Uh, and yet every week I wanted no one to leave uh, without being able to answer, you know, what's the essence of the faith of the Refuge Church? And that, that's held here in the Apostles' Creed. Now, <clears throat> I, I want to <laughs> start this sermon uh, by just, I think, addressing our culture of faith, the culture of the way we think, the culture of the way we believe. And it, it can sound something like this, I think, these questions. How easy is it to become a Christian? You know, kind of what's the brass tacks at the end of the day, just how, how easy it, or what is the smallest amount you must actually know to become a Christian? How little, how easy, how simple. This is oftentimes how we go through life, and this translates into the way we, we try to live our faith or be people of faith. And for this reason, many of us will not enjoy a relationship with God because it's about how little, how easy, how simple. Now, when I say for this reason, many of us will not enjoy a relationship with God, I think it's for this reason many of us will not enjoy relationships at all. Um, not just a relationship with God. Let me apply this to another very important relationship. <laughs> Instead of saying, how easy is it or how simple is it to become a Christian, I want you to, to think of you <laughs> asking this question, how simple is it to get married? <laughs> or at the end of the day, how easy would it be to marry you? Now, I, I can't imagine any scenario where that would be taken as a compliment or actually <laughs> honoring marriage. Now, how many, you like flowers, you say. How many flowers? Now, roses are expensive. What if I just get you a whole lot of baby's breath? Would that be enough? You know, say, <clears throat> I know um, some friends who it's like, you know, they, and this is good. The person, <laughs> if you're a woman and you're getting married to a man, you, gotta, you know, you want the guy to have a job, Okay. But what if the guy was like, so, you know, I, you could call it a job, <laughs> you know, just back away at that moment. You know, uh, I think for us, we need to lean into the fact of what relationships actually are, honor relationships. For, for you, I'm talking to the, the young men in the room, uh, young men watching, for you to actually win her heart and win her affection, have her open up her thoughts to you, that's hard work. And that is not just hard work that has an end date, it is ongoing work. <laughs> if you are married, you know that it doesn't just, you know, you get married and then all of a sudden it's like you're open books. It's ongoing work, weekly work, daily work, to be people that enjoy a relationship together. It cannot at all be accessed by asking how little, how easy, how simple. Now, the Apostles' Creed is short, has 12 simple 
statements. And yet, it is not little, and it is not easy, and it is not simple. Um, A theologian I was reading said this, all Christians believe more than is contained in the Apostles' Creed, but none can believe less. (laughs) So for all the complexities of what it means to fully lean into faith, it is both complex while we can say it in a pithy statement such as this. Here's the general content. It deals with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, with creation, that that we have a sovereign God that created the world, everything in it, and created the universe in its, its expanse. Incarnation, the virgin birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. The Holy, Holy Spirit and all his works, especially in contrast as they were writing to a Gnostic audience. Uh, the church, the holy Catholic church, the forgiveness of sins and our eternal hope. These are the essentials. These are the essentials. If we reach the point where the creed no longer sounds like what we are proclaiming, we need to check ourselves. So, I get to start today by simply uh, opening up this creed and, and I would say our door to it, which is the door of faith. Uh, the whole creed starts by simply saying, I believe in God. I believe in God. <laughs> I say opening the door because that's, that door we open by saying, I believe in God, opens up not just the universe, but everything beyond it. So what I want to talk to you today is about what is faith? What is this declaration, I believe? Creed simply means belief. So apostles' creed means the apostles' beliefs or the apostles' faith. Um, Although uh, this articulation of the creed of the apostles or the belief of the apostles Um, We don't have penned from the apostles' hands. Um, There is references to the apostles having compiled this together. We're not sure exactly how that worked out. The first time we really see it mentioned in its fullness is in the fourth century. But but we do know this, this creed, this faith, is the faith that the apostles and the martyrs died for and the faith that we hold to to this day. But what is it? (laughs) What does it mean to say, I believe? Um, and the second question I asked was, which, which God? Um, simply to say, I believe in God um, is, is indicating that we believe in one who is above, who transcends this earth. Uh, but which one is it? As there are, are many claims, this is our God, this is our God, this is our God. And so I'm going to clarify for you today who we are indicating when we say, I believe in God. And then, how do we personalize it? How, we, how do we make something that has been passed down for centuries and centuries and centuries, this, these 12 statements, how do we make this something that we can say, I, I believe? So, um, I'm going to pray for us <laughs> as we get into this, um, because I believe as we, as we talk about this, um, this could uncover fears that we have. This could un- uncover doubts that we have. 
Uh, some of us might want to start shutting down when, when we come to something um, that, that is meant to be clarifying because we fear whether or not we actually have a part in it or not. So let me just pray that God will give us peace to hear his invitation, that whether you are close, you feel close, or you feel far away, you can hear his invitation in these words. Father, you've spoken clearly, you have left clear statements for us, not to show that we could never have part in you, but to invite us into your family. And so, so here's we, we uh, unpack this simple statement. I believe in God. I pray that you will give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts that are tender, minds that aren't, aren't clouded by, by fear or confusion, but help us understand your word. respond in love to your invitation of love. Because you love, you sent your word, Jesus. Help us here this morning, we pray. Amen. So, what is, what is faith? What is faith? Man, what a good question. <laughs> in, a, in a day and age where faith means something that is intangible or so personal that has no significance in our relationships with one another. Faith is something more solid than you could ever imagine. Hebrews 11 says it this way, without faith it is impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is not just how we please God, but it's how we enjoy him and enjoy his existence. The word faith um, comes alive in the Gospels as it is used over and over by Jesus to describe his relationship. Jesus, very God of very God, to describe his relationship with the people he interacted with. The word faith in Greek is, is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. Um, and, and it is best understood um, not, not as just uh, an inactive, uh, this is something I have as if it is part of our character or quality of our life. It is, an, it is an active, it's a verb, to believe into. And that's why... Our big idea, what is faith? It is, it is to lean fully into Jesus, right? That is what faith is, is believe into. And, and let, me, let me show you how this works out in the stories as you see people kind of falling fully into Jesus, leaning fully into him. Matthew 9, they brought a paralyzed man to Jesus and he says, he saw their faith, the way they leaned into him. And he said, take heart, Son, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith and said, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turns to a woman who has been afflicted and he says to her, Take heart, daughter, your faith, the way you've leaned into me, has healed you. Just seven verses later, he touched the eyes of two blind men and says, According to your faith, 
let it be done. Matthew 15, 28, Jesus says, woman, you have great faith. He says, you've fully fallen into me. Your request is granted. And she was healed at that very moment. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible for you. Uh, and this, this last verse, it's actually a new word that he's introducing. To contrast those who are full of faith, he attaches a word to it, aligo, and it literally becomes one word, little faithers, aligo pistos. And it connects these two words. One is aligo, it's just simply meaning little, small, few, and the next one meaning, right, faith, assurance, to lean into. And, and there's this whole new group of people. He has this group of people that he's like, look, you, your faith is, your sins are forgiven, and you're healed. And then they have the aligo pistos, right? Which is, <laughs> you can just throw that out to people, you little aligo pistos, right? <laughs> you person of little faith, right? And listen to all the ways he's using this. Matthew 6.30, he, he clothes the grass of the field. Will he not much more clothe you, you little illegal pistos, <laughs> right? You people of little faith. Matthew 8.26, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Matthew 14.31, he caught Peter who was falling and he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew 16.8, you have little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves that I have no bread? <laughs> I love this because it's these two different groups of people, those who are simply falling into him, knowing that they're coming healed, broken, needy. And instead of coming and going, okay, how can we work this out? They simply fall into him. And then those who hold back, the illegal pistos, who, who come to Jesus, but they try to not lean in. They try to not lean in. They hold back the illegal pistos. Faith simply means this. Faith is fully leaning into Jesus. What is faith? To fully lean in. Acts 3.16 By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see, fully leaning in to Jesus. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. What is faith? Fully leaning in to Jesus. Now, if when we say, I believe, I pistos, I fully lean in to God, the question is, which God? Um, and the, the simple answer that we get is the God expressed in this creed. The God of the Bible got articulated there. Uh, the theologian Karl Barth said, whose name is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love that. Which God? And Karl Barth, the name of God is Father, Son, and Spirit. It is this triune God that we meet on the pages of the scripture. And I think perhaps here the creed is most helpful 
It seems like there's this ever-growing divide between faith and substance, but here we are directly introduced to the substance of our faith. The substance of our faith that existed before the creation of the world, before there was a you or I or rocks and trees or planets or galaxies or black holes. Before there was dark matter that made up the in-betweens, there was this substance of our faith and that is God. And that is why this is so important that we are introduced to God. And that's why the content of this creed is defining who he is, that we can know him, not just any God, but the God of the Bible. Let me introduce you. (laughs) Isaiah 45, five through seven. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. So good. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. What he's saying there is, my existence doesn't depend upon your acknowledgement. I think so often because we define faith as our own uh, ability to (laughs) wish-believe. It's as if the thing, its strength or weakness depends on our ability to wish-believe. That is not what faith is. Faith is leaning into the substance of that thing which we believe, this thing being God himself, not depending on our acknowledgement, but as we exist because God acknowledges, acknowledges us. In him, we live and move and have our being, as it says in Acts 17. We exist, these things exist because he exists. So I'm the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. That's Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. Just a chapter later, Isaiah 46, 8 through 10 Remember this, keep it in mind. Take heart, you rebels. That's literally what it says here. I didn't add the last part. (laughs) Remember this, keep in mind, take heart, you rebels. And what he's saying here is those who are are rebels are those who are just, instead of getting to know God, they're just, they're trying to figure it out. Their hearts are rebelling because we're just trying to figure it out. We're trying to make things of the soil, right? Just trying to do our own thing and figure it out. And God's like, no, Hear what I'm saying. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. That is the substance of our faith. The substance of our faith doesn't depend on our ability to think smart, smart thoughts, it depends on who God is. And we see who God is as he clarifies that before our eyes in the person of Jesus. This God who in Isaiah 46, Isaiah 45 says, I am God, there is no other, there is none apart from me. Then we learn that this God who is in the beginning, this word, becomes flesh and dwells among us. Listen, it says, through him all things were made and without him nothing was made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it, cannot overcome it, cannot hold it 
down or hold it back. That is who our God is. Because this God who is full of creativity and love, loved the world and sent a full expression of himself, Jesus Christ, to this world. This is who God is. When we say, I believe, I fully lean into God, that is who we fully lean into. So how do we do this? How do we take this big truth and make it personal? How do we take this big truth and make it personal? (laughs) I don't think there's a story that describes it better for me than the story we find in Mark 9. I want you to know as someone who has studied the Bible a lot that I find it intimidating. (laughs) So, as someone who every day reads the Bible and prays and is trying to figure out who God is and how I'm in relationship with him and what that looks like, that's me, right? I'm, I'm doing all those things. I'm so helped by the stories of those who interacted with Jesus. And Mark 9 has this incredible story that shows the difference of experiences and the difference of perspectives. In Mark 9, you can turn there with, with me if you like, uh, it's the story of Jesus, um, and it starts with him taking a couple of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountain, and on this mountain, uh, it says his clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anything in the world, as, as if nothing could even bleach them that way. And it says, and there appeared Elijah and Moses, these like, <laughs> these people that, that they'd read about, right? Man, Moses, who led the people out of Egypt, and Elijah, like, these are the heroes of the faith. Both who were swept up because they were so close with God. And, and Peter, right, Peter's like, man, let's figure out, let's just stay together for a while in the mountain. And Jesus who's there with them, gets spoken over by the Father. It says, the cloud appeared and covered them, and the voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, and I listen to him, right? So this, this incredible experience happens up on the mountain. And, and we have these experiences with God where we're where some you might see and go, man, uh, you know, you've just heard uh, Jenny Tracy's prayer and you're like, man, I wish I could pray like that. I mean, you see people that you're like, their experience with God is so rich. What's that like? And, and I, want, I really want to speak to the people who are going, how do I make my faith personal when I see maybe other people having that mountaintop experience, seeing something that I haven't seen yet? What does that look like for me? And so we walk down the mountain we walk down the mountain from this brilliant experience. And when we, when we get to the bottom of the mountain, there's this large crowd. And they all run to Jesus. It says, overwhelmed with wonder, they run there. And Jesus is, the first thing he says isn't, you know, why couldn't you guys all just understand that I was just on a mountain and like, God just said something over me. You know, he doesn't come down. He's like, why can't you just all... This is the first thing he says. What are you arguing about? How different are those two experiences, right? <laughs> the experience of, man, God's amazing. We're just gonna watch him. And then the experience of like, like arguing. Very different. And yet Jesus 
who he is, never changing, present in both those situations. And we, we really quickly are brought back down to earth. Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that robs him of speech and seizes him and throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and gnashing his teeth. He comes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. Man, talk about a, a wake-up call, bringing back down to the reality of the things of earth, the pain, the struggle, a father loving his son and just wanting his son to be free and just not knowing how. And just, oh, we're, we, they come to Jesus and they are what? They're leaning in. They're, Jesus, I brought him to you because I just don't, I don't know what to do. Jesus looks around and says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they bring him. When the spirit who's in the boy sees Jesus, he throws the boy and he's convulsing. This is such a painful, painful, painful situation. Jesus says, how long has this been going on? From childhood. And the father says this, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds this. He says this. If you can. Now, everything in me at this moment is like, Jesus, this isn't, this isn't the time. Right? Like, man, such pain is going on here. But Jesus is... is, is the, the leaning in, he's helping this, this man fully fall into him. Jesus is, is calling out his, his doubts and his hesitation. Jesus is going, fall, fully fall into me. Do it. Fall. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And I love this statement. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, and it's just like, oh, he just, he falls into him. I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Man, I love this story. I love this story because you see from this mountaintop experience all the way down to the hurt of the earth, Jesus inviting those who follow him, the disciples on the mountain, and this man who stands before him to fully fall into him. And, and I, this, boy, this boy's father's exclamation, I think, is the heart cry of all those of faith, I believe. But there are still things in me that I see that I just don't know what to do with. They're sitting in my heart, and Jesus loves to receive that kind of faith. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when... And Jesus immediately commands the demon to come out. Beautiful, beautiful declaration. What does this mean for us? What is a declaration of faith? What does it mean for us to be people who fall into Jesus? In Romans, Paul describes it this way, very simply. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. The invitation here is for us to be people who declare and lean into Jesus. To declare and lean into Jesus. I believe for those who come to Jesus by faith are, are, are people who don't know everything, but there are some things they, they know. <laughs> they don't know everything, but there are some things they know. And, and the one thing they know is they want to fully fall into Jesus. They just want to fully lean into him. That doesn't mean fear is gone. That doesn't mean all the questions are answered. It means we, like this boy's father, is going to save us. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. To declare with our mouths, as we read this Apostles' Creed, um, I invite you, declare it often. <laughs> um, parts of it, as you, as you look through it, it might be times in your life that, man, think Sometimes we are so confused because we try to think our own novel thoughts all the time. Maybe you just go through this and, and one day just say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's what I'm going to think today. Father Almighty. I'm going to declare that today. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Maker of heaven and earth. Let that come out of your mouth. Follow that train of thought to what it means. God, I believe you made the world and everything in it. Because you made it and, and you didn't make it without thinking through that, I think you, you made it in such a way to make us amazed at you. I think you made it in such a way to call our attention to how great you are. And God, I see so much broken in the world, but even with it broken, there's still parts of it that look so much, that remind me so much of you. Help me see those things. You know, you, you see how it just declaring, beginning to declare that truth and just speak it out. When we, when, we, when we start talking about Jesus incarnate, man, we can't start talking about Jesus, very God of very God who came and lived among us without going, man, God, you must be really invested in the earth. This must not just be like a, a fun project for you if you're going to send your own son to, to give his life for us, that we can, you know, as we start thinking those things out and then speaking those things and learning to talk, I do believe it transforms our heart. Our heart in such a way that we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. But we will never get to this. We will never get to this if we approach it with this attitude, how little, how easy, how simple. Because <laughs> while these statements are simple, it is not simple to be someone who falls into Jesus. It is terrifying at times. Like Peter, who steps out of the boat and is walking towards Jesus, and then he gets scared by the waves, and Jesus wraps him up and goes, Oh, you little oligopos. <laughs> you one of little faith. Keep your eyes on me. So, Refuge Church, my prayer for us as we go over the Apostles' Creed 
as we hear the words today, is that we will be people continually fully leaning into, fully falling into Jesus. If you have found yourself, maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time, but you found yourself trying to correct your posture a little bit. Instead of falling into him like you did when you first knew you needed to be saved, you're, you're kind of holding yourself up now. I can stand on my own. It's not the way it works. If you're standing on your own and not fully falling into Jesus, you're going to be, you're going to be withdrawing from these life-transforming, soul-saving truths. Fall into him. Watch that fear go away as you fall into his embrace. Pray with me. Father, I pray that um, this truth will tip us over. Maybe as we find ourselves trying to maintain our distance from you, but still say we're followers. God, I, I pray that this will just, you'll, by your mercy, your spirit, you'll just draw us in. <laughs> this profoundly uncomfortable safety <laughs> of falling into Jesus. Finding while we have tried to be everything we've needed on our own, that we only have everything we need when we're fully in him. God, I pray that if there are cries in the heart of any of us listening, that is, God, I believe, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I pray that I'll just break forth just come out. We hear Jesus' words, if I can, if I can. (laughs) We say, oh, I do believe, but help me overcome my hesitation. You love that exclamation. God, I believe and I love you. Help me love you more. Help me overcome my unbelief. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.